Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Today for the show, we have someone that I am looking forward to getting to know because she's someone that has a great reputation for what she does and how she does it. And so not only is she a human resource manager, she is someone who has an MBA in HR management. She also has a heart for counseling and an MS in counseling psychology and is someone who uses that ability to help other people in numerous ways both on the day-to-day professional side, but also as a speaker and someone who is uh, able to connect uh, with people. And so I'd like to welcome to the show today, our new friend, Summer Wires. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I'm looking forward to our discussion because when I look at your resume with a bachelor's in business administration and marketing, then your counseling psychology staff, the MBA, all that kind of stuff, you are clearly someone who evidently cares deeply about people. So looking back at your life and looking at um, all the things that you've been involved in, when did you realize in your own life that investing in other people was where you wanted to uh, spend your time? I mean, I think about my early days as a child, my, both my parents were entrepreneurs and I was very much raised by a community of people. I was raised by my grandparents and very involved in the community. They were such big influencers in their church circle, volunteering. I saw them giving and interacting with people and people thinking positively of them and the energy that they gathered from that. And I, I think that's where really it foundationally started for me. So you start young seeing that entrepreneurs can make a difference and you start going down that path. You get all these degrees, you have all this experience. If we could stop right now and go back in time to you as you're really launching your career, what's one thing you wished you would have known starting your career? Really just one thing. There are so (laughs) many things that I wish that I had known when I began. I mean, I might've saved myself some time and anguish for sure. But, but truly, I mean, I wish someone would have informed me that even if you make changes to your plan, you're not unstable. I started working full-time in the corporate world at around age 19, 20, while going to school full-time. And I kept hitting roadblocks on this path to what I thought would be a career in broadcast journalism. And I tried out the PR arena and ultimately I kind of switched my major over to the business administration and marketing and worked for a little bit in administrative human resources right out of college. And then I went on to get that master's degree in professional counseling. And it was a very science centric foundation, which was different. It wasn't so much people, but toward the end of the program, I started seeing that I really liked helping people overcome those issues in the workplace that I was dealing with, obviously, in the corporate world, you will run into that. And it was kind of the opportunity to offer the help that I didn't have in my career, which led me to, I guess, pursuing higher education and HR management. That's where I got the MBA. I just wanted to know more about the human side of it. And it all pieced together really well in my mind when I was going through it. But I had friends and acquaintances that were kind of insinuating that I was all over the place and they couldn't keep up with me. And and so I started to doubt myself. But if someone could have just grabbed a hold of me from the start, 
and said, just because you're good at something, it doesn't mean it's where your passion lies. And I think I could have sloughed off those eye rolls that I kept getting. And I learned that if you're living your best life and you're growing, your passions change over time. I appreciate that. And I appreciate where you're coming from on that. I would think that if you could line up 50 leaders in a row and ask them a similar question, more often than not, they're going to have a response that's a lot like yours. Because for so many people, they look at where they're trying to go in life and and there's a clear path because the destination is already known. But when you're talking about leaders, they often have a very different path, especially early in their career, because they have a concept of where they're trying to go, the, the things that they want to do, but there's not a roadmap. That's why they're a leader is because they are often the ones that are trailblazing. It's interesting in the discussions with people that often what has helped them get where they are has been a blend of people who were very helpful, that were very good guides, or life situations or guides that were just horrible, because you can really learn from either one. So going back through your life and you're thinking about, okay, I started making my way down this path and there were things that began to make sense. There were the people who questioned what you were doing. There are people who might have been applauding. When you think back through your life, have there been some people that were those uh, mentors, the, the guides that really helped you get where you are now? Did you have people like that? Sure. I think really I, I immediately think of my dad, just specifically my dad. He encouraged me to be as involved as I wanted in school-related activities and he drove me to leadership workshops way out of town and out of state. And I feel like that's carried me in my pursuit of leadership roles as an adult. And I mean, he, he is a great leader. And one thing that he taught me is that being as quiet and as silent as possible is very important because not only does it allow you to listen to others, it allows you to be primed to be a little bit more stoic. Even if you're going through something internally, You're not showing all of your cards before you've processed things, but not everybody has that as a foundation. And I've of course known a lot of great leaders that didn't have that direction in a parent. And I think that a lot of people draw their foundation from leaders that are a lot like maybe my student council advisor in high school or previous supervisors. And I have a lot of friends in the HR field that Maybe they aren't even at the manager or above level in HR, but when someone knows you on a personal level and they have a personal stake in seeing you succeed, I think there's pretty fertile ground there for empowerment. And that's really the key in finding somebody who is a mentor or a resource as a leader. I love the idea of your dad driving you to a leadership conference. And I don't know if the world that you grew up in, that was something that was normal, but what an amazing thing to have that. And I can just imagine the discussions that you'd have on the way there and back. What a great memory. uh, Yeah, he actually let me talk. (laughs) (laughs) So you have some of these mentors who evidently from a pretty early age saw that leadership was a, a way that you could impact the world and began to help cultivate that within you, even in high school. Was that just something that was always expected that you would use your talents and your perspective to help others as a leader? You mean that I expected of myself or that others expected of me? Both. 
It's mm. a great question. I think that it, it is both. First of all, I'm the oldest of many siblings by eight years. So I think that that was kind of thrust upon me. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I also had this expectation of self to be a leader. I'm not comfortable in every situation being a leader, but in, in most, for sure, both expectation of self and feeling that expectation from others. So when you think about your leadership development of the identity of being able to claim that idea that being a leader is, is something that you can do, and there are all kinds of leaders. There are the quiet leaders. There are the ones that are out front. You know, there's a number of different ways that people lead. When you think about your life of learning how to be a leader, I don't know how that happens without hitting some occasional walls and sometimes hitting those barriers and walls pretty hard. Have you had any times you look back on now that might have been failures or, or things that did not go well that helped to shape who you are now? Oh, sure. And some are more painful than others. But I guess one thing that, that stands out for me is probably a time when a project that I really had spent a lot of time on really wasn't that long ago and effort, it fizzled out and the plan just completely stalled. There were a couple naysayers that didn't want to see the project through. And I guess those involved just lost interest and the fight died and I took it all personally, every bit of it. And I guess the one thing that I learned from this is that sometimes people are not ready for change and hard, even if they say over and over again how much they are ready for it and they want you to do it. When it comes down to it, they don't see your vision. And it's not because you're not able to get them to catch it, but a lot of things are beyond our control. And no matter how much we want it or need it to work out, we can't force people to understand our perspective. So you have a moment like that, and I don't know any leaders who have done great things who don't have stories that are like that, and it hurts. It physically hurts. And you have that moment where you're questioning yourself and you're questioning the whole idea. How do you not lose heart when you've gone through a time like that when things didn't work out as planned? I think that that is totally dependent on so many different factors. So good boundaries. I think that boundaries and leadership are very important because it, it helps keep things where they're supposed to be. It helps to foster the best relationships possible without causing harm. And knowing what is yours and what is the other person's is very important. Doing a lot of internal processing before putting it on someone else is really, really important. You know, when I when I hear you talk about that, my uh, this is why I love this podcast is because it brings leaders together. And it's one of those places where you don't have to translate it all, that people understand that we've all been in that spot where you had an idea that was actually meant to help other people have a better life and they, they didn't want what you had to offer or maybe there was a political component to it that there was something that people were wanting that was a bit hidden or you know, go down the line. But when you see an idea die, it has a very distinct feeling, especially for leaders who are trying to make a difference. And I think about that ability to be resilient, the, the toughness, the grit, whatever you want to use there, the character that has to, to come out, that seems to be a really essential part of leadership. 
when you think about leaders and you think about just what does a leader need to possess, what would you say is one characteristic that you think leaders need to have to be able to do that kind of work effectively? I realize that I am likely not the only person to ever introduce this concept and that it's a hot topic right now, but hands down, emotional intelligence. If, if I may, let's have some real talk here because I think the EQ is important mainly because I think it keeps leaders in their lane. I know that if I'm aware that feelings are just indicators or like signs on a road, I'm not likely to attend every fight that I'm invited to. And then I have the opportunity to understand that people behave in pretty terrible ways when they're impacted by their own personal feelings. And it has nothing to do with the organization or with me. People have their own stuff. And the more that I know about feelings and how they work, and the more I go on that journey and know that it's a lifelong journey, the more equipped I am to be able to deal with that. And so as a leader, I think that's very important. When someone's in a bad mood, likely has nothing to do with me. So that ability to think at that different level, as Kahneman would say in his book, uh, thinking you know, fast and slow, that system two thinking where you're really going to the deeper level versus just responding to uh, an impulse. It seems like that was something that your dad was cultivating in you years ago by having you um, perhaps not be the first person to speak up, but to really think deeply uh, about what's being said. Has that always been an important piece of the puzzle for you? I don't think so. I do think that a lack of maturity in my younger days contributed to not always having that at the forefront. But as I have gotten older and I have seen what works and what does not, I have learned to put it into practice. And I think a lot of people might take the lessons that we learned as, as children and we're like, oh, that's what that was about. You know, trying to make sense of it all and having the emotional wherewithal to do that, the emotional intelligence to do that. To me, that requires a community that are willing to help you learn together, that are doing life with you as you go along. Looking at what's happening during the challenges related to COVID, and especially with someone with your background and training, how do you think that the stress that people felt for so long during COVID impacted their ability to manage their emotional intelligence? I can really only go off of my own experience. I can tell you that it definitely shifted my worldview. It brought everything back to what really matters. I made a job change during the pandemic, um, during the first part of all of this. In June, I moved from human resources and healthcare to human resources and manufacturing. So it, for me, I, I feel like it really shifted things into overdrive as far as feeling things a little bit more. And that made it more difficult to be mindful of my emotions. And, and I was really allowing them to become bigger when they didn't need to be because of all the stress. Wow. It was mm -hmm. pulsing and I was, I was trying to make those feelings bigger instead of just observing them. So wow. that's one thing that I, I feel like I experienced. But it did, it did have some positive repercussions, I feel like, for people. And I feel like that gets missed a lot. 
-hmm. is that there are many good things still happening in the world and there are many lessons that we've learned that will carry us into the future as leaders that were great that we maybe needed to learn. Mm -hmm. We would have missed out on that had we not had this opportunity. And really, I know that there's a lot of bad and and there's a, a lot of sickness, there's a lot of death, there's a lot of poverty, so much unrest, but there are still so many good things in the world and there are so many great people in the world. We need to work toward not missing out on that. I appreciate that so much. And, you know, there's that discussion about post-traumatic growth and that so many people who go through a really tough experience, if they had a time machine and they could avoid it, they would. But since they don't and they had to go through it, they look back on that time and say that was really challenging, but it was also one of the greatest times of growth in my life. And it sounds like to me that the transition you made, even in the midst of COVID during that summer, began to position you in a great way to be able to be stronger after having gone through it, which is pretty amazing. Sure, absolutely. I I lost my beloved grandmother during this time and it it was very different. It was very difficult and there were still responsibilities at work to take care of and planning a funeral and and really heading all of that up and the work-life balance that was asked. It was, it was not an easy time, but I have to say that that experience for me led me to where I am now. I, I felt like my grandma was saying, you have to pursue this opportunity that you can't pass this up. So that's one thing that was really great um, about figuring out the work-life balance and pursuing passions during this time. Well, I'm I'm sorry for your loss, and there has been so much loss. And I am so grateful, however, that your grandmother's voice is in your head like that. You know, I was surprised when I got to the point in life where you started losing friends and grandparents and things like that. I was so surprised that the relationship that you had with people didn't end just because they passed away and that you still learned things from them. And I love that that voice is there for you with your grandmother, helping provide inspiration for you for this phase of your life. That's really amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I have her handwriting on a sign above my desk right now. I'm looking at it right now. It says, don't give up on your dreams. She wrote a card to me in 1999 and I made that up right before I, right before I came here where I am. So it hangs up there and I want to tell everybody else not to give up on their dreams. Love that. Thank you. So speaking of challenges, challenges that lead to better things, some, you know, all the different things that challenges can bring. If you're looking out on the horizon a bit and you said, and someone asked you, what do you think the biggest challenge facing leaders today is? What would you put in that category of these are some of the challenges that you think are pretty big out there. This is one that you would kind of focus in on. You've kind of mentioned the connectivity needed to have that awareness of the emotional intelligence component. And maybe it's that. What would you put in that category? Well, you said the word today. And so I'm kind of zoning in on that right now. And today, here, right now, is COVID-19. Leadership is held to a much higher standard and sometimes impossible. And recommendations and processes change every single minute of every single day at times. And I know that we as leaders sometimes feel like we have whiplash from keeping up. A lot of us are sending people home from work. We're locating test sites. We're making sure management is well aware of who's in and out. We're doing things in the middle of the night. It all adds up. And I know that we're not on the front lines like healthcare workers. 
but we're still getting burnt out as leaders. And we really want to be, I know, maybe those of you listening, we want to be working on strategic planning. We want that direction of saying, okay, this is where we're headed. But really right now, I think a lot of us just want to be able to take lunch breaks. (laughs) You know, we want to turn off our phones while we sleep. (laughs) So I know leaders in other sectors are probably facing their own unique challenges, not just related to the pandemic, but different areas, but that it's difficult to see beyond that right now. And there's a lot of hope in 2021 in that strike of midnight, but you know, it's not automatically going to change. And if we don't stick together, I think that that's the biggest challenge that we face is how do we do this together if we can't be together? And we as leaders need to stick together. How do we do that? Again, I love the perspective that you're bringing and I love the passion that you bring to it. And it also makes me value all the more the time that you're providing for us to have this conversation. And it does mean a lot. You know, when you talk about leadership, people go through all these different phases of awareness of what it means to be a leader. And it's not uncommon for people to be a leader and for them not to look at themselves that way, although other people do. And then over time, you'll see this transformation in that idea that I like to talk about quite a bit, really, but the idea of an emerging leader is not just someone who is taking on a new skill set. They're taking on a new identity and they're transitioning and pivoting from having been rewarded for being primarily the doer, the producer, to being the person that is orchestrating the doing and making it possible for the production to occur. That transition for leaders can be really jarring because it's an identity shift, not just a skill set shift. So when you're looking at someone that is moving into leadership for the first time, and they're really now just kind of getting into that next level where they're serving people in that different capacity, what advice would you give someone going into leadership for the first time? Well, first, I think that I would like to challenge them not to make it an issue of identity, because I pretty firmly believe that what you do is not who you are. You only do what you do because of who you are. And I think it's important for people to learn that leadership isn't about being elevated. It's about putting yourself where the greatest needs are. And it's a serious commitment. I think that it's true that there's no money and no title that's ever going to compare to the level of importance of the service that you owe the people that you have the opportunity to lead. And learn that being direct and assertive shows that you care. And like with that, learn that assertiveness and aggressiveness are not the same. And I think a lot of people think that if they're assertive and direct, that people perceive them as being aggressive, but really it just makes you more predictable. If you're still kind and you have great intentions and, and you still at your core love people, then your assertiveness is not going to appear abrasive. So those are the things I think that I would talk to someone who was either interested or thrust into a leadership position about. Now, it's always interesting talking to people who view leadership as this hierarchy and how empty it can become so quickly versus those who look at it as an opportunity to open the doors for for other people. And one of the concepts that we really try to talk about quite a bit is that you you really can't be a successful leader unless the people you're leading are succeeding. And so at the core of leadership is the willingness to serve other Mm -hmm. people, that it's really about them, not so much about you. 
And that transition to that way of thinking for some is very small. For others, it can be a big thing. But it's so liberating to watch people make peace with that, that there is a deep there's a deep satisfaction in finding joy and helping other people succeed. And to me, that's at the heart of what it means to be a leader. Absolutely. That's one of the main reasons why I am where I am, because one of their core values is servant leadership. And they're very passionate about that. And they demonstrate that every single day. It's interesting to watch the mindset shift on that. Of uh, Oddly enough, servant leadership had been thought of uh, as soft by so many people. And uh, like that was the thing that you would do if, if you didn't have the wherewithal to really be a direct leader. And to now to watch major companies like your own shifting away from that mindset and embracing something that not only does the data behind it say that this is a much more effective way to lead, it just builds relationships and it builds opportunities. And I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Why were you drawn to that? I have been led by those that did not employ servant leadership. And I did not like the way I felt being led in that way. Mm. That's powerful. And again, I'm impressed by the number of people who have become really uh, effective leaders who the big part of an inspiration of why they became what they became was because they had experienced something very different than that. And they used, and I would say redeemed, the negative experiences that they had by allowing that to be instructive, which I really appreciate your growth mindset on that, uh, of being willing to not just discard that, but to use it in a way that helps you help other people. That's really great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So... You have obviously pursued a number of degrees and you've been a learner. You, you've been a, as someone who has also been willing to give back as a speaker and a communicator. If you were trying to help someone who said, hey, I'm trying to be a, a better leader and they were looking for some resources that you might recommend, what are some of the things that you have found helpful over time in your leadership journey to help you develop? Well, I do have a couple book suggestions. First off, they have really changed my worldview. I would say the first one is going to be The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. And it discusses psychological safety, which I, I do a lot of speaking about, very passionate about the concept. It's got a lot of great info on the research behind it. It's very easy to read. I have the audiobook which is a great accompaniment to the book if you learn best by reading and listening at the same time. That's one tip that I have. And I'd say the next book is probably Boundaries for Leaders by Dr. Henry Cloud. Anyone that's looking for really great relationships in the workplace and you happen to be a leader would probably benefit from reading it. I think it's worth rereading for a recharge and I'm probably due for it, come to think of it. So uh, those are the two books I would recommend. But to increase emotional intelligence, I feel like I need to touch on that. You're going to have to work at it. It's, it's not like IQ where it stays fixed at a certain age. You, you know, with IQ, it's, a, it's an intelligence factor. So it stays where it is once you hit a certain point. Now you can improve EQ. And I feel like I need a disclaimer. What I'm about to say might be a little controversial, but I want you to hang in there with me because a good place to start here is to find a counselor or therapist that can help you 
when you deal with those challenges that are inevitably going to come up in leadership. And you might be thinking, yeah, right. I don't have any mental problems. I don't need to do that. But someone who's going to be ahead of the game and up for the challenge is going to prepare in any area of leadership. You can't argue with that. And you don't have to have personal issues in order to make a visit with a counselor. You just need a willingness to accept that you're not perfect and that you want to grow and that you know that you live in your head. And it's really hard to see the forest through the trees. In my opinion, a good professional, a capable professional is going to give you the tools that you need to increase that awareness of yourself and those around you so that you don't feel like you're always jumping out of your skin so much as a leader. And then this way, it's apart from your family. It's apart from your job. It's your safe place. We as leaders don't typically have that. And that might be the missing link to your self-care that gets you over the hump of whatever you're going through. And this way you can separate your own stuff from what people are going to try to hand you that's going to weigh you down. So that's my, you know, that's my suggestion there on emotional intelligence. It's really the the most comprehensive way to increase that is having somebody you can work with one-on-one. Summer, again, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your insights. I find it fascinating that many of the most successful people that I work with to provide executive coaching also have therapists. And I have asked a handful, you know, has that been helpful? Why do you do that? Whatever. And what I found is that um, leaders, especially at a very high level, they really value time. And if they can find a way to buy time, then they're going to invest in that if they can. And having that therapist to help them process things, to help them deal with what they have in front of them, or to look to the past to deal with the things that they've brought with them to the room has been an unbelievable help to the highest level leaders who often find themselves very separated and isolated because it's so hard to find people to talk to. And I love the advice that you provide. And I would hope that the people listening in are nodding their heads in agreement with you as you're providing that insight. Anything else, Summer, that we need to know that you would love to pass along to current or future leaders that you might want to end our time with? You know, I I think that it's important that anyone who is not currently in a position of leadership, that they not set their sights toward leadership. They set their sights toward fulfillment and contentment and passion. And that will bring them to leadership eventually. But when one sets sights on their goal being leadership, that becomes problematic. So I do think that it's important that those that are in positions of leadership realize that leadership is a journey, not a destination, and that we may take steps back from being able to be in positions of leadership at certain times. And that's okay. We don't always have to be in positions of leadership because we are not a position, we shouldn't be in a place where we are tying our identity to what we do. Because maybe for that time in your life, you don't need to be a leader. You need to be in a position to follow. So I think people should stay encouraged and not tie their identity to leadership and just just let it be what it is based on passion and growth. 
Well, Summer, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And I know you've got so much on your plate and it really means a lot to us that you would spend some time uh, on this podcast. If you're listening in, I hope this has been helpful to you and been thought provoking for you. And what we're trying to do is to create a community where people can just know that uh, you're, you're with people who care about you who want to see you succeed and thrive and who believe that leadership at its core is about serving other people and giving other people opportunities. At the heart of the idea, leadership is so tough because it's one of those things that if you're doing it well, you might not see the end result of it for years to come, maybe not even in your own lifetime. And to do that requires a deep commitment to serving and a deep commitment to other people. And so today, as a leader, I hope that you will be encouraged by the message and that you will also make the decision today to be the person who's setting the tone that brings joy into the rooms that you're in, that you are a person that chooses compassion and that you choose to be the kind of person that is willing to sacrifice for the benefit of other people. Today is going to be a great day, and I'm glad that you're a part of this program today. Thank you, Summer. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you. We'll see you next time on the Strata Leadership Show.